Chapter Three of Dead Men's Shoes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Angela Dean. Dead Men's Shoes by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Chapter Three. Alexis Secretan turns his back upon the solemn responsibilities of Tubal Street, Gospener Place, sick with anger and despair. He is angry with himself rather than with his aunt. He loathes himself for having invited such humiliation. I ought to have known her better, he muses, a woman who gives showy dinners and cheap wines, and talks of her friend the Duchess of Land's End, or the Countess of Johnny O'Groat a woman whose name appears in the subscription list of all the orthodox charities just under the nobility and who never keeps a servant six months and yet she is my mother's sister of the same race my mother whose nature was all kindness and with whom to give was as natural as to breathe he stands at hyde park corner indifferent to the east wind and the falling snow fine small snowflakes that lie unmelted where they fall now which way shall i turn myself in search of a friendly soul he asks he turns southwestward perhaps to escape that biting easterly blast and walks toward brompton listlessly hopelessly walking fast to keep himself warm but with no settled purpose past the bell and horns tavern he stops and looks up at one of the houses in the high road, a house with a front garden, or railed enclosure which courtesy calls a garden, a snowy parallelogram in which flourishes four melancholy bushes like dwarf cypresses in a graveyard. The house is neat and bright-looking, and a bill in the parlor window announces that apartments are to be let within. Alexis opens the gate as if familiar with its structure, goes up to the door hesitantly, knocks, and asks to see Mr. Plowden. He is ushered forthwith into the back parlor, where a man of about his own age, pale and thoughtful-looking, sits by an indifferent fire painting a map. A pile of unpainted maps and battered old tin paint boxes and brushes lie on the table before him. The thin white hand travels dexterously, rapidly, over the paper, leaving a delicate line of color behind it. The map painter looks up at Alexis, brush in hand, surveys him from head to foot, wonderingly, then drops the brush full of color on the map. Captain Secretan, he exclaims, is it possible? It is true at any rate, answers Alexis holding out his hand, which the other grasps affectionately. Theoretically impossible, perhaps, but absolutely true. Just wash off that splash of cobalt, Dick. I shouldn't like you to spoil one of your maps on my account. I'm so glad to see you, says Richard Plowden, dabbing the map with a sponge rather nervously. I was afraid you'd quite forgotten me and that we should never see you here again either as a lodger or a friend. However, here you are, and I'm heartily glad to see you, poking the dingy little fire vigorously and then holding out his hand again to Alexis. But I'm afraid things haven't been going so well for you as they ought. You look... Or, interjects Alexis, 
you're not far out poverty and smallpox are unmistakable diseases you can see them in a man's face before you say another kind word to me dick i must tell you the truth the naked unpleasant truth i come to you as a beggar knowing how hard you work for every shilling you earn knowing what a good fellow you are good son good friend good christian i am mean enough to come here and ask you to help me the worthless drone appeals to the honest independent bee so far as i can help you replies mr plowden with undiminished kindliness i am at your service you were a profitable lodger to my mother and a kind friend to me it isn't many gentlemen in your position who would have condescended to associate with a lame invalid who gets his living by painting maps i know those evenings when you used to come and smoke your pipe down here were some of the happiest in my life he walks about the room as he speaks drags a chair to the fireside for alexis takes a loaf of bread a bottle of anchovies a pat of butter and a bottle of ginger wine out of the chiffonier spreads a napkin and arranges this temperate refreshment on one side of the table pushing his maps and color box to the other he walks lame but is active and hardy notwithstanding do you suppose i should have spent many evenings with you if i had not found your company pleasant dick says alexis lightly i found that you had read more and thought more than any fellow of my acquaintance and it was refreshing to me to hear your ideas upon all manners of subjects then i flattered myself that you liked me and were pleased with my talk of the gay world above all about that stage that you love so well and see so little of do you remember how we used to discuss the actors of the day dick and settle how shakespeare ought to be interpreted do you think i can ever forget says richard plowden i've not so many friends that i can afford to forget one who was first to tell me i had a mind do you know captain secretan that i've had the impertinence to write a book since then do peg into those anchovies captain and don't mind cutting the knobs off the loaf i like crumb as well as crust a book dick an essay on the genius of shakespeare nothing quite so ambitious or so unlikely to sell a geography for schools on a new system it is not published yet but i have reason to believe that it will be and that i shall make a little money by it so you may have less compunction in borrowing a pound or two dear old dick exclaimed alexis who had been doing ample justice to the anchovies and bread and butter and warming himself with a glass of ginger wine unhappily it is not a question of a pound or two i want ten pounds richard plowden's countenance falls it is not that he would measure his friendship but ten pounds is an awful sum if i can ever repay it i will and with interest at a more than usurious rate but it is almost a mockery to talk of repayment in my present condition richard limps to the chiffonier without a word takes out a little japanned cash box unlocks it and extracts therefrom a five-pound note and five sovereigns i had the money ready for the christmas rent he says but you are welcome to it we shall be able to rub along without it i dare say what pinching and deprivation this rubbing along process would cost alexis can pretty well guess for he has seen how the widow plowden and her son live at the best of times 
he takes the money with a faltering hand and turns away his face to hide the tears that disfigure it the first that he has shed since he wept for his mother's death presently he grows cheerful again resumes his seat finishes his luncheon and then tells richard plowden the story of his decadence an unvarnished tale which his humble friend hears with deepest interest if you could put me in the way of earning a few shillings a week by any kind of labor however humble you would be doing me a greater favor than you have done me this day and yet knowing your circumstances as i do i feel as if you had given me ten years of your life instead of ten pounds richard plowden promises he will turn the matter over in his mind and see what he can do and so the two young men part as firm friends as in the days when miss plowden's first-floor lodger the dashing young captain was the object of her son's affectionate admiration his ideal of all that is noble and splendid in manhood end of chapter three recording by angela dean